Welcome to Thoughts on Thriving, a holistic lifestyle and wellness podcast that's here to help you become the healthiest, happiest, most aligned version of yourself. I'm your host, Ava, a registered dietitian and wellness junkie. I'm so excited to have you here as I dive deep into meaningful conversations covering topics from nutrition and mental health to spirituality and self-development and everything in between with experts in many fields. I'm so happy you're choosing to learn how to thrive today. Let's get into the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Thoughts on Thriving. I hope everyone is having an amazing holiday season and enjoying this time in between the holidays and New Year's. I cannot believe this is the last episode of the podcast for 2022. This podcast started in the beginning of 2022 in January, so it's really, really crazy that it's been almost a year of Thoughts on Thriving. So Before I get into anything regarding this episode, I just wanted to say thank you for being here with me, for listening to the podcast, for supporting the show. I am so grateful for each and every one of you, and it's so cool that we get to have this community together and all get to work on being the best and healthiest versions of ourselves. Um, So I hope that this podcast has provided that sort of value for you, and I'm so excited for what's to come in the next year. But today, in light of, you know, the end of the year and just keeping it light and fun, I wanted to kind of talk about and review the top five wellness trends of 2022. And I decided to make this kind of a fun game and do it in a smash or pass kind of way because that's been like a big trend on TikTok and stuff. So I am going to tell you what I love and what I don't want to bring with me into 2022 in terms of the biggest wellness trends. I gathered these from a couple of websites and just kind of came up with a list of like five of the top wellness trends that I wanted to talk about. Before I start though, I did just want to say this is all, you know, going to be shared from my experiences and my opinion and I can only kind of speak on what works for me, but I always tell people, you know, do what works for you, try everything on and see what fits. And same with what I say, you know, if something doesn't resonate, just take what does. And um, obviously, I'm also speaking from like research that I've done. And I've been studying nutrition and dietetics for years at this point, and I'm a registered dietitian. So there's that piece of it. But I'm not a doctor, and I'm not your nutritionist. So I just wanted to say that. But I'm excited to kind of dive into all of these trends. So without further ado, the first one is There has been, in 2022, a shift to kind of a focus on higher protein diets and including more lean protein and protein in general into our diets. Now, people have been obsessed with protein for a really long time, especially people in the fitness world with protein powders and things like that, but I feel like in the general world of nutrition and wellness, there's been a big focus on fiber, which I love. I think fiber is so, so important, and I really have liked how We've been focused on gut health for the last few years, for sure, but I have been seeing a lot of focus on eating more protein, and I think that that's really, really awesome. I can share from my experience that, you know, and I I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast yet, so I guess this is me sharing, and I definitely want to do a more in-depth episode on this, but I had been vegan for seven, eight years of my life. And this year, actually, towards the end of the year, I 
started to incorporate more animal proteins into my diet. And it was a very slow kind of transition. It wasn't something overnight. And it was something that like, it had to happen at this point. My body was like begging for more protein. I once again, like I don't want to share the whole story here because I want this episode to not be 40 minutes long. But I I've just been so amazed by the shift in how I feel. My body really did need more protein and I was really, really careful with my vegan diet. And by vegan, I mean, you know, I was eating a whole foods plant-based diet, not like a junky vegan diet. And it really did serve me for a really long time of my life. And I really love eating that way. And if it were up to me, I would eat that way for the rest of my life. But my body had been asking for more protein. I'm very in tune with my body and what it needs. And it had just kind of been like whispering at me for a while and I wasn't listening. And then some stuff happened with my health and um, I'm not going to get into too much detail once again. But at this point, it was like screaming for me to include more proteins. And once I did and once I listened, that really shifted so much for me and my health and my energy levels and just everything. I just feel so much better. So based on that experience, and I've talked to so many women who have had similar experiences and have seen online that this has been kind of happening. And a lot of people who were eating more plant-based diets have been incorporating more lean protein from animal sources and it's been a really huge shift. And of course, I'm choosing, you know, organic and the pasture raised, like the best types of animal proteins that I can, um, which is probably has something to do with it. I don't think I'd be feeling as good if I was choosing less lesser quality um, animal proteins. But just generally, I will say a smash on the high protein shift because we have been afraid of so many macronutrients for so long. There was a big time where people were afraid of fats for so long and then it was carbs. And now it's like, okay, let's focus on like what's going to be helpful. And I'm so glad people are like focused on something to include instead of like what should we cut out. So that in general is making me happy. But the protein thing has been really important for me personally this year. And so I definitely wanted to include it and share a little bit on that experience. And once again, There's so much more to say on this, so I will definitely do a deep dive episode on the podcast soon. So let me know if you want that over on Instagram. And now the next trend that I want to talk about is low impact exercise. So there's been a huge shift once again from being really focused on like HIIT and other high intensity training and, you know, kind of like killing yourself at the gym and being really obsessed with workouts in like a way that isn't that healthy. And I feel like this year, a lot of people got into Pilates and yoga and, you know, hot girl walks and just lower impact exercise that is still super effective. And this one is a huge smash for me. I love Pilates. I love going on walks. That's basically all I do to exercise these days. And it really, really works for me. I think that A lot of women have had the experience of being addicted to exercise at one point or obsessive about it um, in some way. And I also think that that included like going really hard at the gym or, you know, just at home, whatever, wherever you work out. I think it was a different mindset 
years ago and I've definitely had experiences with that and I don't think that that's sustainable at all and I think that it also doesn't feel good to be working out from a place of wanting to punish your body so I think this shift to doing more low impact training and doing exercise that's sustainable is here to stay and I absolutely love that this is so popular now. I think that Pilates is so so good for your core for your like if you have pain in anywhere in your body especially my lower back feels so much better when I do Pilates versus any other kinds of workouts and walking is one of the most healthy things you can do for your body not only for your physical health but for me it's so much more than that it's like for my mental health it helps clear my mind and I know so many other people feel the same way so Yes, it's become sort of like trendy to do a hot girl walk in the morning and do your Pilates, but I also think that these are great ways to get that exercise in and to strengthen the mind-body connection when we're moving because I feel like with HIIT workouts and things that are super high intensity, you kind of lose that mind-body connection. So that one's a smash for sure. And the next one I wanted to talk about is IV drip therapy. So this one isn't as, I think, mainstream yet. I think it's going to continue to grow. And this one's a pass for me. I do not think that this is necessary at all. If you're not familiar, IV therapy is basically when they administer nutrients and hydration and like, you know, in the form of a liquid directly into your bloodstream through an IV. So through like a tube that they insert into your blood vessel like in your arm so it's kind of like going to the hospital and getting IV fluids but there there's now these like places that you can go to to just get this and they have home calls where they come into your home and give you IV drip therapy so it's become really popular among celebrities like Hailey Bieber and Kendall Jenner um, I know are like big proponents of it and I just think that you know, yes, it is a very fast way to deliver nutrients to your body because it does bypass your digestion when you're putting something into your body intravenously. It's going straight into your bloodstream. But with that comes a lot of risks. And my biggest issues with this is A, it's super expensive for no reason. B, it's unnecessary. You can, if you want to get, you know, there's a lot of hype around NAD IV therapy, which is nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. It's basically an enzyme or a coenzyme in your body that helps with like cellular regeneration and is important in metabolism. But people can take that as a supplement if they wanted to. I just don't see the the need to put it into your body intravenously. And with that, like I was saying, there's a lot of complications. So, you know, there's a lack of regulation with these therapies. You need to make sure you're getting it from a really qualified professional. Um, it can cause bruising around where they're putting the needle into your into your vein. And there's also a risk of electrolyte imbalances. And, you know, there's such thing as having too many nutrients in your body. So especially if they're in- injecting you with fat-soluble vitamins, um, that could be an issue as well as well as a risk of infection. Anytime you're putting a needle in your body, there is a risk of infection. So I just think it's super unnecessary. I don't think we need to be doing this for the sake of wellness. And I think it's just become kind of a trendy thing. But I don't know any qualified medical professionals who would tell you to go do that or that it's healthful or health promoting. So at least for now, that one's a pass for me. 
And the fourth trend is my favorite, and it is the focus on blood sugar regulation and making sure we're having balanced blood sugars. And along with this comes glucose monitoring, which has kind of become a thing this year in wellness as well, which I'll get into. But I definitely will say smash to the general trend of blood sugar regulation and focusing on having blood sugar healthy meals and doing things that will be you know, helpful for our blood sugars. I think that this is something that was not really talked about for a lot of years unless, you know, you had diabetes and now it's become a lot more mainstream, which I love. I just wanted to kind of explain it really quickly for anyone who isn't familiar with like what blood sugar is. Um, and there's some resources that you can do a bigger deep dive on. I love the Instagram account glucose goddess. She is her whole like page is about this topic and she wrote a book actually called the glucose revolution she's a biochemist who has focused her career most recently on like blood sugar balance and how different foods and lifestyle habits affect your blood sugar so definitely check her out at glucose goddess on instagram but basically blood sugar or blood glucose is the sugar found in your blood so when you eat a food that's high in carbohydrate or you know, sugar or any kind of meal that has carbohydrate in it, the glucose from that carbohydrate, which is like the smallest form of carbohydrate in our body is glucose. That's what it breaks down to. That will enter your blood and your body in a healthy state will release a hormone called insulin to take that glucose from your blood and kind of put it into your cells so that your blood sugar doesn't get too high because we want to maintain a perfect balance within the normal range just like any other blood marker and then when your blood sugar is low let's say like four hours after you've eaten a meal your body's going to release something called glucagon another hormone to increase your blood sugar so that it gets back to the normal range so same thing it's kind of just trying to get it to be in the normal range But when something's wrong with, you know, the way your pancreas is working, it's not working as efficiently or your endocrine system has an imbalance, some sort of hormonal imbalance is going on, or you're doing lifestyle things like eating really high sugar meals without adding protein and fat, which can help offset the spike of blood sugar, or you're really inactive physically or other things, you're not sleeping, that can affect your blood sugars. There's so many different things. And so when that happens, then we see lots of spikes happening and dips and your blood sugar is kind of all over the place. And that can cause a variety of symptoms. So for example, if you've ever eaten a meal and you get really tired after, that could be a sign of a blood sugar spike after that meal. Or you could get even more hungry after you eat the meal. Or, you know, sometimes it causes you to get really thirsty or pee a lot, um, there's lots of different like symptoms for high blood sugar and then low blood sugar you could get kind of dizzy shaky sweaty your heart rate is really high when you have all these symptoms there's definitely a sign that there's some sort of imbalance going on and of course we all have blood sugar spikes not every day but like here and there but if it's happening a lot it's definitely something to think about so just speaking on my own experience this year I started becoming really sensitive to blood sugars this year and I started you know noticing that I was having spikes and dips and I think a lot of it had to do for me personally with like my sleep schedule and stress levels and hormonal imbalances that were going on but because of it I had to shift some things in my lifestyle and that's actually one of the reasons I started including more animal protein because 
One of the ways to balance your blood sugar is to eat more balanced meals that include like lean protein and healthy fats along with your carbs so that you're not having the carbs on their own. And another thing you can do is to add more fiber because that will help decrease the spike in blood sugar or go on a walk after you eat. That'll help, you know, you using your muscles will help the glucose kind of go into, into the muscles to be used by the muscles and thus lowering the blood sugar. So there's things that you can do, but this is definitely something that personally has been a focus for me. And I've been loving the results of just kind of being more aware of it, um, eating more blood sugar friendly meals and also eating regularly is a big thing for blood sugars. And so a lot of these things have become kind of not even trendy, but just kind of more popular this year and more widely talked about. And I think that that's awesome because I think that, you know, we're not aware that so many of our health issues stem from our blood sugar regulation and our our hormones. And so aside from diabetes, which of course is when you have consistently high blood sugar and that can lead to lots of complications, even things like PCOS and insomnia and just weight gain and things like that are can all kind of be linked back to dysregulated blood sugar, high blood sugar. So it's definitely something to think about and something to be aware of. So I think it's awesome that we're talking about it more and it's definitely a smash for me. One thing I did want to say though about this is that this is kind of not really as mainstream. Once again, it's not a huge trend yet, but I've been seeing this go around a lot where people are who don't have diabetes or pre-diabetes are getting these things called continuous glucose monitors. And so if you've ever seen this before or if it's popped up on your Instagram ads, I know it's popped up on mine, probably because I talk about blood sugar a lot and had been talking about it a lot with patients. So my phone probably was listening to me, but these continuous glucose monitors are used as kind of measures of blood sugar. It basically measures your blood sugar when you wake up, after you eat a meal, and you can kind of track it all day. So kind of like how we track our sleep with different devices, this is kind of a device used to track your blood sugars. And it's been used for years with people like with diabetes. But now it's become a thing where anyone can kind of get their hands on a continuous glucose monitor, a CGM. And I've also been seeing a lot of apps come out that will send you a CGM and then they'll have you pay for the app and then they'll kind of analyze all your blood sugar scores. So I think that that is something that I'm going to have to pass on for now in terms of the trend of doing that and people without diabetes getting CGMs just because I don't think it's super necessary. Once again, with something like this, it's like you can tell when you're having a blood sugar spike or kind of a dip in your blood sugar simply by educating yourself on what the symptoms are. And once again, I would refer back to the book that I mentioned earlier, The Glucose Revolution. You can use even Google for this. I mean, I kind of touched on the symptoms of high and low blood sugar just a couple minutes ago, and you can definitely find more resources online. But I think that going so far as to like pay for like a monthly app and getting your blood sugars analyzed and having a monitor. And this is something you have to like wear on your arm. It's not just something that you wear like a bracelet. It's like, it's like on your arm. I just don't think it's necessary for people who don't have any issues with their blood sugar or if they're, you know, pretty healthy people who are maybe having spikes after eating something super sweet, but not normally, because then you can kind of make tweaks based on what you are doing that's making you have the spikes or the dips and kind of go from there. 
But if you have prediabetes or diabetes, by all means, like I think it's a great way to be more aware and to kind of track which foods are making you spike more than others because it is also super personal. And I've seen patients that some of them have like perfect blood sugars and they're not eating you know, super blood sugar friendly meals. And then other people are much more sensitive to it. And like I was saying, I became a lot more sensitive to it this year. And I had to make some tweaks to my diet and kind of focus on blood sugar more, which is why I'm really happy this is going around more. And on that note, I also just wanted to share that, you know, personally, there is a family history involved as well for me. So that might be a reason why I've kind of become more sensitive. I have a family history of type 2 diabetes. So there is a genetic factor that plays into this as well. So it's not all lifestyle. And I just wanted to kind of say that because nutrition and your health, it's not all what you do daily. I think that is honestly like 70, 80% of it, but there's still genetics involved in these things. And that's why everything is so personalized and should be so different person to person because we all are different people. We're all made up of different genes. So it would be silly to think that we all should be, you know, doing the exact same thing. Okay, so the last trend that I'm going to talk about is a big focus this year on sleep and sleep hygiene. So I think this general trend, once again, I have like a smash part of it and then a part of it where I'm like, let's pass on that. So the trend in general of focusing on sleep, I think, is amazing. I think sleep is so important, obviously. It's something that I've been trying to work on all year. And I actually had a holistic sleep psychologist on the show in the fourth episode of the show. Her name is Dr. Silverman, Dr. Sarah Silverman. And that episode was awesome. It's one of the most played episodes to date. So I know you guys loved it as well. But if you want to kind of deep dive on this topic, I would highly recommend listening to that episode. I think this focus on sleep is really, really great because sleep is so important, like I said. And, you know, if you don't have good sleep, you could be doing everything else right. You could be eating perfectly. You could be going to the gym and doing your workouts and having amazing relationships and like all the other parts of the holistic health wheel. And if you're not getting enough sleep, it's still you're not going to be as healthy as you could possibly be. And I know for me, sleep is sometimes the first thing that will kind of be put to the side when I run out of time or, you know, I'm trying to prioritize things. Like sleep is very low on my priority list, which is not good. And I definitely want to change that. And I think this focus this year on like, you know, having a nighttime routine, doing things earlier on in the day to kind of set yourself up for a good sleep that night. I think that's been talked about a lot more this year. And I think there's also been a lot more hype around wearing a sleep tracker and tracking your sleep, which full disclosure, I do that. I have an aura ring and I absolutely love it. Um, Sometimes it makes me feel bad about myself. I'm not going to lie just because like I said, I don't really sleep sometimes when I get super busy and that's on me. But um, I think it's really awesome to kind of just focus on getting the best sleep as you possibly can, getting your eight hours or however many is right for you. I know some people can function on less and I try to convince myself that I'm one of those people, but I always feel better when I get my eight hours. And, you know, sleep is linked to so many things. Lack of sleep can be kind of linked to Alzheimer's disease, mental health issues, and Um, even like impaired decision making, it really affects every aspect of our lives. And 
we all know when we wake up after a poor night of sleep, it's like the whole day kind of sucks. So this is definitely a smash for me. What I will say, though, is there's also kind of this like sub trend within this trend of melatonin. And that one is going to have to be a pass for me. I have not ever been like a melatonin person. I think that melatonin is a quick fix and it definitely is helpful in situations where you kind of need to sleep that night. For example, if you're jet lagged and you need to go to sleep so you can wake up and function the next day, I think melatonin is a great option for that. But melatonin is a hormone essentially and it regulates your sleep-wake cycle. So there's ways naturally to boost the production of that hormone within our bodies because our bodies produce melatonin every day. And Some of the things that you can do include getting sunlight in the morning, limiting artificial night late at night and, you know, before bed, wearing blue light blocking glasses, using a red light bulb instead of your normal light bulb around when you go to bed or like an hour or two before, limiting screen time. All these things I think are much more effective and a lot more, I don't know, they feel a little better for me than taking um, a supplement like melatonin. And melatonin has been shown to kind of make you groggy the next day in a lot of cases, and it can cause a lot of vivid dreams, nightmares. It can also kind of cause nausea and headaches. So these are all things that I personally don't want to deal with, and I know for me, I don't want to rely on taking a supplement of like a synthetic version of a hormone to sleep personally, and especially with the fact that like the FDA doesn't really regulate melatonin supplements you don't really know what you're getting so that's also a concern so if you are going to take it I definitely recommend getting it from a really good source and being really careful about where you're getting your supplements and that goes for everything all supplements but yeah I think that melatonin is definitely not a long-term solution for insomnia and sleep issues but it definitely has a time and place like the jet lag or like, you know, the one night where you can't fall asleep for sure. And I don't think it's horrible at all by any means. I just think there's better ways to go about sleep. And I think that this trend of, you know, focusing on sleep hygiene and having a really good nighttime routine and winding down an hour, two hours before bed and kind of making it a ritual for yourself is so effective and You know, this is something that I've implemented in the last year and it's really, really been helpful for my sleep. Even when I'm not even sleeping as many hours, I'm still getting a pretty good amount of deep sleep, which is what my aura ring is telling me at least. So that is um, kind of all I had to say about that one. Smash on the sleep hygiene and focus on sleep health, but pass on the melatonin from me. So yeah, those were the five trends. I hope that was interesting and helpful for you guys. I tried to sprinkle in, you know, bits of information and tangible tools because I always want to leave you with something that you can apply to your own life and always speaking from my experiences as well. And I'd love to do more deep dives on my journey with my diet and how I shifted from eating a vegan diet to adding a few more animal proteins into my diet as well. Um, And I also would love to do a deep dive on blood sugars and just like eating for blood sugar management. I think there's so much more to be said about that. And I'd love to have an expert on or just do, you know, my own kind of solo episode on that. So let me know if you'd be interested in that as well. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any questions ever, feel free to reach out on Instagram at thoughts.on.thriving and make sure to give us a follow if you haven't already. 
I am so, so grateful once again for your support this year. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I will be talking to you in the new year in 2023, which is absolutely wild. But I hope you all have a happy new year. Please stay safe out there and I will talk to you guys in the next episode.